to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here. It's a beautiful, clear day in legal potland, Oregon, and we've got lots of marijuana news for you today. Before I get to the marijuana news, though, I just have to I just have to shake my head in disbelief at the campaign of Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, if Hillary Clinton wants to win, win this thing, all she really needs to do is just shut up and uh, like go on vacation for four months. Just let Trump have the stage. <laughs> it seems like every day he dips further down into the depths of uh, electoral demise. I mean... Going after a gold star mother, doubling down on it, saying the elections could be rigged. And then today, today it comes out that Trump, uh, this is on Morning Joe, that according to someone uh, Joe Scarborough knows, who is a military briefer for Donald Trump, that Trump asked three times in a one-hour briefing, why can't we just use our nukes? So, uh, yeah, this is quite the election. I, I know this is going to be a lot of fun over the next 90-some-odd days. But let's get back to the marijuana news because, as promised, Hour 1, the Russ Belville Show, is all about marijuana. And in the news today, we are going to go behind the headlines and take a look at President Obama, who has already set the record. Uh, I don't know if it's a record, but he's already beaten at least the last six presidents combined on presidential pardons and commutations, uh, particularly for long-term drug offenders and usually cocaine or crack cocaine uh, offenses. But today, he just commuted 214 drug sentences. 214 commutations, which is the largest one-day commutation, I think, in our nation's history, but at least in the last 100 years or so. And within those commutations, there are four commutations for prisoners who were serving time for marijuana only. We'll tell you about those four prisoners and just how much time they got out of. Thanks to there being a Democrat in the White House and a Democratic administration that reviews such commutations. <clears throat> After that, we'll uh, take a look at our newest segment, the Cannabis Sports Report. And in the Cannabis Sports Report today, we learn of a new column on The Cannabist, the uh, website of the Denver Post that covers all things cannabis, by former Eugene, or former, <laughs> he's not former Eugene Monroe, former Ravens <laughs> offensive tackle Eugene Monroe, who is still Eugene Monroe, I understand. Uh, former Ravens tackle has now got a column within one of the largest uh, cannabis websites, and uh, we'll take a look at that column today in our new Cannabis Sports Report. Also coming up on the show today in Government at Work, we take another look at Donald Trump and his phony support of marijuana. I'm getting a lot of, uh, a lot of hits from people that are passing along this uh, link that Donald Trump says that marijuana legalization is A-OK. -okay. 
I'll tell you why you should take that with a salt lick. Then we'll have time uh, for the Radical Rant, and in the rant today, some amazing stuff I just learned over the past hour from OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, a new rule about reporting workplace accidents that could have beneficial results for those of us who hate drug testing. We'll talk about that. And then in hour two, we've got other subjects to cover. We'll talk about the UK looking at the Clinton-Trump battle and whether marijuana will make any difference on the state ballots. We get a look at uh, the commercials that are making their way onto social media for marijuana businesses and, and more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing grow. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. It's time to hempresent with Anadina Stanger. I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa! You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I beat China all the time. Okay, maybe you're high too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016. Flandro, South Dakota. South Dakota's top prosecutor charged two consultants who worked with a Native American tribe on its plans to open the nation's first marijuana resort with drug offenses, 
accusing them of having seeds shipped from the Netherlands, hidden in CD cases and sewn into clothing. The charges were announced on Wednesday and come about eight months after the Flandro Santee Sioux destroyed their crop amid fears of a federal raid, abandoning an ambitious scheme to to develop an adult playground that they estimated could net as much as $2 million a month in profits. Eric Hagen, Monarch's chief executive, the company hired for the consulting, was charged by indictment with conspiracy to possess, possession, and attempt to possess more than 10 pounds of marijuana. Jonathan Hunt, the vice president and cultivation expert, was charged with conspiracy to possess between a half pound and a pound of marijuana. Bend, Oregon. Deschutes County officials are lifting a ban prohibiting some marijuana businesses from operating in unincorporated areas. The Bend Bulletin reports that the county commission adopted an ordinance Monday that repeals the ban starting September 1st. Commissioners had already approved policies for medical and recreational pot businesses in June that are now in effect. The ban, which had been implemented in December, remained in place because of an appeal period when the regulations could have been challenged. No appeal had been filed. Monday's decision comes after rural property owners urged the county to continue the ban earlier this year and called for it to be placed on the November ballot. Members and supporters of the industry pushed for the ban to be lifted so they could apply for recreational licensing from the state. Washington, D.C. The DEA has still not made a decision on rescheduling marijuana, but tells Denver's The Cannabis that the agency is, quote, closer than we were a month ago, end quote. DEA made, made headlines early last year when they hinted that a decision on rescheduling would be made by the end of the first half of 2016. When July 1st came with no decision, DEA pushed the supposed decision date back to August 1st. Now, DEA spokesman Russ Bayer tells the cannabis that, quote, I can't give you a time frame as to when we may announce a decision, end quote. The Department of Health and Human Services in April submitted its scheduling recommendation to DEA, leading DEA to reach out to the FDA and NIDA for other opinions. The recommendation by HHS has not been made public. Boston, Massachusetts. Four years after passing their medical marijuana law, residents of Boston have their first medical marijuana dispensary. Patriot Care on Milk Street will be the seventh dispensary to open in the Commonwealth. The other dispensaries are located in Ayer, Brockton, Brookline, Lowell, Northampton, and Salem, which opened the Commonwealth's first dispensary in June of last year. Massachusetts dispensaries sell almost 13,000 ounces monthly to over 27,000 registered patients. Springfield, Illinois. State officials have released figures showing that sales of medical marijuana have reached $2.9 million for the month of July. In the nine months since sales began in November, there has been $16.3 million sold throughout Illinois. There are now almost 9,000 registered patients and 40 dispensaries operating in the state. Last month, the governor extended the pilot program to the year 2020. He also signed legislation adding PTSD and terminal illnesses to the qualifying condition list, which will doubtlessly increase patient roles and dispensary sales. Boston, Massachusetts. 
The campaign against marijuana legalization in Massachusetts have announced that a bipartisan group of 119 state legislators are opposed to the measure. That represents more than half of the 200-seat legislature. But two city officials, City Council President Michelle Wu and Councilor Tito Jackson, are endorsing the measure, putting them at odds with Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, who is opposed. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Can't be the by the man on high times. Oh yeah, get to down and I don't today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crap shadow. Money don't make itself. Happy. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. Or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at the historic commutations that were issued today by President Obama. He commuted the sentence of 214 federal prisoners who uh, were mostly serving time for drug offenses, uh, a lot of crack cocaine, a lot of methamphetamine within those. But within the, uh, within the list of 214, there are, if I remember correctly, there were 20 prisoners who were serving time on marijuana-related charges who uh, would still be in prison throughout the 2020s, some into the 2030s, who are being released in 2016 or 2017. Now, I thought about bringing all 20 of them up and talking about them, and then I thought, you know what, let's, let's pare down that list a little bit for time's sake and cut out all the people whose charges also involved cocaine, because there was a few that were uh, dis- distribution of marijuana, distribution of cocaine, 
There were some that were distribution of marijuana plus uh, uh, some other terrible felony. Uh, and I just reduced it to those who were nonviolent marijuana-only offenders doing federal time. You know, because like Kevin Sabet says, nobody ever goes to jail for just marijuana, right? There were four of them. And uh, interesting, interestingly enough, three out of Texas that were uh, commuted. Our first uh, marijuana, nonviolent marijuana-only offender whose sentence got commuted is named Jose Carlos Arras Jr. He's out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was convicted of conspiracy to import, conspiracy to wit, possession with intent to distribute 100 kilograms or, and more of marijuana. He was sentenced to 21 years in prison in 2002. 21 years. That means this guy would have been sitting in prison until 2023. President Obama commuted his sentence to December of 2016. He will be out at the end of this year. Ramon Gonzalez of San Juan, Texas. He was convicted of conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute 4,506.65 kilograms of marijuana. Wow. 45. That's like 4.5 metric tons, right? <laughs> that's, uh, let's see, 4,500 kilograms, 2.2 pounds and a kilogram, 10,000 pounds of marijuana-ish. Possession with intent to distribute about 10,000 pounds of marijuana. He was given a life sentence in 2009. A life sentence in 2009 has now been commuted to a 30-year sentence. So he's still going to be there until 2039, but he's got hope. He may live to see the outside world again. Also, when you commute a sentence from life to 30 years, it changes how parole and those sorts of things work as well. So he might get out before that. Luciano Murga from Houston, Texas was convicted of conspiracy to distribute and possess with intent to distribute 1,000 kilograms or more of marijuana. Again, about 2,200 pounds. He was convicted for 20 years, sentenced to 20 years, in 2005. So, had President Obama not commuted his sentence, he would get out in 2025. His sentence was commuted to December 2016. So instead of waiting for another nine years, President Obama just gave this man nine years of his freedom back. And finally, Cedric Dwayne Stevens of Waco, Texas. Conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute at least 1,000 kilograms of marijuana and conspiracy to commit money laundering. He was sentenced in 2011 to 10 years in prison. His sentence also commuted to the end of 2016. So here's a guy who got five years of his freedom back. So when it comes down to our electoral politics and who we choose as president, these are the kinds of decisions, the little decisions a president makes, whose sentences get commuted. And that president makes those decisions based on who the attorney general serves up from a recommendation list. And that recommendation list comes up from who people on the Bureau of Paroles and Pardons and the sentencing commissions come up with. So 
if you want to take a chance that a president, a presidential candidate who says he's going to be the law and order candidate will make the appointments to the various bureaus and departments that lead to all these commutations, and then you want to take the chance that this guy who says he's Mr. Law and Order... What are you people? On dope? And you want to take a chance that Mr. Law and Order gets a whole bunch of commutation requests from... Hispanics and African Americans who were convicted in a court of law of serious felonies, and you want to trust him to make the right decision. Think long and hard about your vote, folks. We're going to take a break. Happy 420, Denver. We'll be right back. Maui, Maui. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. Author Catherine Hiller and her great new book, Just Say Yes, Marijuana Memoir. So I love the way you use time in the memoir. I started it at the present time, and I described the visit to my dealer. And then I would go backward in time so that every chapter starts a little bit earlier. I do not feel that marijuana has in any way harmed my life. It certainly hasn't led me to the streets. It's led me to a more joyful life experience. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Get Dot Buzz. Dot Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot Buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot Buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot Buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. As more people learn the truth about the healing properties of cannabis as an anti-inflammatory, analgesic, and neuroprotectant, more amateur and professional athletes are calling for tolerance of medical marijuana use in the world of sports. Today, we take a look at the intersection of cannabis and athletics with our Cannabis Sports Report. All right, welcome to our new segment, the Cannabis Sports Report, featuring the greatest college fight song ever recorded. By the greatest college marching band ever. <laughs> but anyway, uh, welcome to the uh, segment. And I want to start this off by welcoming Eugene Monroe to the world of cannabis uh, uh, writers. 
the world of cannabis uh, columnists. Uh, Eugene now has a column at the cannabis in the uh, the uh, uh, the byline says by Eugene Monroe, the cannabis staff. So he is he's now one of me. He is a marijuana uh, columnist. <laughs> so welcome, Eugene. Glad to have you here. And in his first column for the cannabis, he uh, which is entitled "I am worried about my NFL family. I am ready to talk cannabis. I am Eugene Monroe," and he discusses uh, the difficulty that he is facing and the, the worries he has about uh, this new this new activity of his. Uh, he's been a football player for 18 years. He's age 29. He's been playing since he was 11 years old, and he's never really done anything. Uh, full scale, like he's done football, so I can understand it's a it's a complex and and difficult transition to make. I went from being a uh, professional musician and a corporate trainer to being a talk radio host and a marijuana activist. So, you know, change is in, is in the air, I guess. But I wanted to start with this uh, a couple of uh, paragraphs from Eugene's column that I think kind of set the tone. He says, or he writes. If I was still playing today, I'd be a few days into training camp. Each game in the NFL is scripted with plays that are run at full speed. The speed of practice must ma- the speed of practice must match the speed of the game to create proper timing. This bruising practice is done at the expense of players' bodies and brains, but it's accepted as being a part of the game. I would assuredly be taking a daily course of Celebrex, an anti-inflammatory drug that would reduce the swelling in my surgically repaired knee, three operations. As the practices pile up, I'd likely need Vicodin to deal with the pain to keep fighting through camp. Now, a few drops of THCA tincture helps me manage both of those symptoms, sans the side effects that come with the many pharmaceuticals. If I'm in more pain... A single vaporized hit of CO2-extracted cannabis oil can calm it down. I may also be protecting my brain at the same time from the more than 50 shots I would have taken to my head each day between drills and scrimmaging. And this is, uh, this is great uh, from Eugene Monroe, him making that point, that I think you know, for the, the, the general public out there, they are still stuck in the thought that when we're talking about medical marijuana for these athletes that we're sometime that we're somehow talking about them, you know, uh, smoking a joint before and after practice. And I'm not going to stop them for if they want to do that either. But largely what we're really talking about here are these athletes that want to use, like he said, a tincture or a vaporizer. And, and I think the more that the public understands this as, as being not just athletes getting high or having a good time, but really using this as a medicine, I can't imagine that the NFL's obstruction to this can last much longer. The, the NFL's about money and ratings and image and brand. Uh, the unofficial slogan is protect the shield. Do whatever it takes to protect the integrity of the game and the image of the game. And the NFL has been taking a lot of hits, uh, pardon the pun, uh, in its image lately with domestic abuse, the Ray Rice case that came up, 
the cases of these former players that are uh, exhibiting the the symptoms of of CTE and and acting in a psychotic way. Uh, Jovan Belcher a few years ago shooting himself in in the parking lot of the Kansas City Chiefs practice facility. I mean, th- these are starting to pile up and as more Americans become aware of the roles the role that concussions are playing and how the NFL for so many years has been downplaying concussion. This is going to affect the game at its most base level. Those mothers who won't let their little boys play pop Warner football or junior high football or high school football. So at some point the NFL cannot duck this issue any longer and needs to be seen as doing something proactive to make the game safer. And there's going to be a balancing point. There's going to be a point at which the, the public understanding of medical marijuana, the public support of medical marijuana is greater than what they think they would lose in image by seemingly endorsing marijuana use, seemingly endorsing some sort of drug. And we cannot underestimate the pull that the alcohol industry and the pharmaceutical industry and their advertising dollars are having on this discussion. We know that alcohol advertising revenue, pharmaceutical advertising revenue, particularly boner pills, (laughs) is a major uh, profit center for the NFL and for the networks that cover those NFL games. But at some point, it is going to be more in the NFL's bottom line, more in their self-interest to endorse this than to reject it. And I'm glad people like Eugene Monroe, people who have the standing to really address this from an expert point of view, are making this stand and forcing the NFL to address this sooner rather than later. There's going to be a great panel of these experts at the... uh, uh, Southern California Cannabis Expo. It's taking place in San Diego this weekend. If you can't make it to the uh, Indo Expo in Portland, if you're closer to Southern Cal, maybe you want to head down to that and check out that Gridiron Cannabis Coalition panel. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to break down Donald Trump's phony support for marijuana legalization. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. The political climate is at a fever pitch, and the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. 
Tuesday, November 8th, the cannabis liberation movement takes a huge step forward, and Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com and the Cannabis Radio News Team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the cannabis crusade. Join us Thursday, November 8th for Vote 2016, the path to cannabis freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Well, today in Government at Work, we're going to continue our look at the 2016 presidential election. And the latest thing that's been coming up, and for those of you listeners who pop in from time to time and haven't been following, um, I'm in this major, uh, major kerfuffle with some of my fans over my switch from being a Bernie or Buster to being a stop Donald Trump at all coster. <laughs> and uh, there've been a lot of debates going back and forth. I've been typing my fingers off on Facebook back and forth, having the political chats. And one of the things that I'm getting in response, it, it, you know, cause people are trying to, you know, sink my arguments and all this. And one of my arguments is that a Trump administration would be disastrous for marijuana reform. And I made this point in uh, my radical rant on Tuesday uh, up on hightimes.com that you have to consider that what if we get an attorney general Christie and we get a drug czar Kevin Sabet. And the point being that the president appoints lots and lots of bureaucrats, judges, uh, officers, officials, inspectors, uh, auditors, prosecutors, all these people that exist in the federal government, in the federal bureaucracy that handle the day-to-day operations of the government and don't directly report to the president or directly receive orders from him. And it's up to those people. And of course, the Obama commutations today, a perfect example of what can happen when you've got the bureaucrats in, in those positions that follow the, you know, that, that uh, are going to have a better position on these issues. So, Anyway, I, I made this big point about how the, the, the Trumpocalypse would be terrible for marijuana reform. And I've gotten two responses back on it. One of them is pretty easily dismissed because one of them comes from a guy who sent me some links that show that uh, Donald Trump is going to pick Trey Gowdy as his attorney general. Now, folks, if you know who Trey Gowdy is, Trey Gowdy is the uh, Southern, 
South Carolinian uh, representative who chaired a, a Benghazi hearing or two and got nothing. <laughs> spent all the taxpayer money, got zilch, and was pretty, you know, overwhelmingly embarrassed uh, as as the uh, as the chairman of that committee. But the thing that's so dismissible about this response is that the source for Donald Trump is going to pick Trey Gowdy as his attorney general was some unknown hack website, right? This wasn't coming off of Politico or The Hill or 538 or CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Reuters, AP, Bloomberg, Google News, Yahoo News, because I looked. <laughs> I, I checked like all the main news sites. You'd think him announcing an attorney general pick would be something that would have come across my radar. But no, this was some, you know, left, you know, right of fringe kind of website that said he's going to pick Trey Gowdy. And then the backup to that was a tweet. I got a link to a tweet from Donald Trump himself, but the Donald Trump tweet was a retweet of somebody citing the right of fringe citation of Gowdy, <laughs> Gowdy being announced as attorney general, right? So... Not real good sourcing <laughs> for the uh, response. Let's just say it. Let's just put it that way, right? But the other response I got, and this was the the bigger one. The other response I got was a video of Trump talking to I think it's Nine News in Denver, and when they asked him, you know, what would you do about Colorado's legalization, he says something to the effect of, oh, if the states want to legalize, you know, I'd leave them alone. Let the states go ahead and legalize." And so this has been posted, oh my God, see how wrong you are, Trump is just fine, Trump is better on marijuana than Hillary Clinton, he's better, he said he'd let the states do it, which is not better, it would be the same, because that's what Hillary Clinton's position is, she's in that, I think we should wait and see states of the laboratories of democracy kind of stand, and it's generally accepted that Hillary is going to basically be a third term of Obama. And Obama has generally let the states go ahead and do their thing. So I don't see his position as being anything as any better than Hillary Clinton's at this point. But then there's two other considerations. One, do you believe a goddamn word Donald Trump says about anything? Now, I am not inclined to trust Hillary Clinton or believe her either, but PolitiFact, when it rates all these statements by all these politicians over the long term, finds Hillary Clinton to be up there in the telling the fewest whoppers and Donald Trump to be down there in the biggest liar, liar, pants on fire category. So when Trump is in Colorado, a state that was the first to legalize and is a very popular state for marijuana use and is one of the 10 states that could swing the election, what do you suppose the guy's going to say? So, no, I, I don't put much stock into what he says. That's one thing. Uh, plus, knowing that Trump is a teetotaler never even, who's never even drank alcohol, much less smoke pot, and has called himself the law and order candidate. We're going to follow the laws, follow the rules. So already I'm distrustful of that. But second, the point that I made in the previous article, this person's in charge of picking all these other people in all these other offices as well. 
and judgeships and departments and bureaus, secretaries of various cabinets that make all sorts of arcane and little decisions. I'm going to be telling you a little bit um, in the rant about this uh, OSHA decision that's come down. Again, something that is done by bureaucrats at the bottom levels that don't even get any direction or mention from the president. The only effect the president has is on picking those people in the first place as to whether or not they're competent and generally align with that person. The biggest knock I've got on the Donald Trump thing right now is just he's woefully incompetent and unprepared for this job. He, he's never run any bureaucracy whatsoever. And these people that think they're business people, well, I've run a business, therefore I can run government. Uh-uh. Doesn't work like that. See, in business, when you say things, you can just fire people if they don't do that. Can't do that in government. There's a lot of people in government that have these certain positions that are, you know, uh, uh, termed out. I mean, you just can't fire everybody in government. Second of all, business operates on profit loss. Government does not offer on profit loss. Some things are loss. <laughs> government and business are two different things. Having success in business does not in any way guarantee success in the presidency. And the other thing is, that's an argument to be made if you've got somebody who's been a successful businessman. <laughs> Donald Trump is the opposite of a successful businessman. He has bankrupted six businesses, three casinos twice. How do you bankrupt a casino? This is a business where there's a guaranteed mathematical certainty of profit. <laughs> That's just literally the house. House edge is literally a guarantee of profit. How do you mess that up? And leaving a wake of some 3,000 lawsuits, contractors who've been stiffed, American banks that won't loan money to him because he doesn't meet their level of trust, the Nevada Gaming Commission that won't give him a casino license because they can't trust the guy. But I'm supposed to trust that when he says he thinks marijuana legalization is okay, it'll be just fine. So no, I don't put much stock into what Donald Trump has to say about marijuana legalization or anything for that matter. I'm getting to the point now where it's – I feel like Bill Nye arguing with Ken Ham on the idea of who should be president, Clinton or uh, uh, Clinton or Trump. And for those of you who don't know, Bill Nye, of course, Bill Nye the science guy, and Ken Ham is the guy who runs the Creationism Museum. Earth was created 6,000 years ago by God in six days and then the world was flooded by Noah and repopulated with two animals of – Every kind that were on the ark for, you know, that kind of guy. This is as stupid a debate now. Debating whether Trump or Hillary should be president is as stupid as debating whether evolution or creationism is real. It's as stupid as debating whether climate change is real or not. It's as stupid as debating whether or not marijuana should be legalized or not. It is just clear. It is just crystal clear. 
We are even seeing Republicans now that are starting to rethink themselves, starting to think, wait a minute, do I want to attach my career, my legacy to this sinking ship, to this guy who insults the mothers of, uh, of our war dead? This guy who calls women pigs and Mexicans rapists? Do I really want to be associated with that? Do I, re- do I really want that? And and to the third party people out there, people who want to vote for third party, it's just amazing to me that there could be a chance to, in our lifetime, absolutely repudiate this vicious, racist, bullying, narcissistic, sociopathic, xenophobic, misogynistic, nativist, white supremacist supporting stain in our country. That this is offered up, this shit stain is offered up as president, and you've got the chance to repudiate that by handing him a lopsided ass-kicking from a woman. But you'd rather make a statement, rather make a protest, because Hillary's so evil, she's such a terrible, terrible bitch. Gotta make a protest statement and... Let it be a squeaker. Let it be close. Let there still be some doubt in this country. Yeah, you know, racist demagogue, career politician, it's all the same. Let there be enough doubt so that David Duke, perhaps, maybe he can run next year. Maybe we can get uh, Omarosa. Maybe maybe uh, 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 John Cena can run. We could shut that shit down. For the rest of our life, we could give them such an ass kicking that they'd have to take their robes and burning crosses and hide for another generation. I know it's tough to hear from me. I know some of you heard me stoking the fires of revolution and the whole burnier bust and let it all burn down. I know you put a lot into that. I did too. You think I'm happy getting people calling me names and some of the people I respect the most disagreeing with me vehemently and maybe even not listening to me anymore? No, it's not like something I wanted. But it's something I looked at and realized, you know, I have to live with my conscience. I already feel bad enough that I've motivated enough of you to think this way. I'm atoning. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show... St. Paul's doing good work. This is why Craig, you're pruning tagging. Here's a medical 
term? Yes. And they want a medical journal. Oh, That's right. Like, you can call Dr. St. Paul. Dr. St. Paul. I don't think I will. No. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're going to find really wonderful, well-meaning, well-spoken people, and then people that are just batshit crazy. Okay, maybe you're high, too. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the Radical Rant, I want to talk about workplace drug testing. You know, the reason I'm here. And, of course, I'm against it. I'm against it in every case. I'm even against it for uh, uh, conductors and pilots and all the rest. Give them a computerized impairment test. Let's see if they're really impaired. Let's see if anything is causing a problem. Let's not discriminate against people who smoked pot a week ago. You know my stand on that. And so for this rant, <clears throat> I want to take a look at another one of these little bureaucratic levels of government that I've been harping on that get decided by the executive department, uh, executive uh, branch, and that is OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. And over the past few months, there's been this little series of bureaucratic decisions at OSHA, some new regulations that have been promulgated that open up a very interesting loophole a very interesting protection for us cannabis consumers in the workplace. And it goes like this. Back in May, OSHA started putting together its new electronic record-keeping rule. And most of it is about employers having to post their injury data on the agency's website, like, a, like an online reporting system that they're kind of getting – everyone to move to from paper-based system. You know, typical bureaucratic, nobody pays attention to it kind of stuff. But also, the agency indicated that once the rule becomes effective, there's, a, there's another part of this rule that says 
Employers have to establish a reasonable procedure for reporting work-related injuries and illnesses promptly and accurately, and that a procedure is not reasonable if it would, quote, deter or discourage a reasonable employee from accurately reporting a workplace injury or illness, end quote. Now, what they're attacking here, what they're getting at, is that companies have an incentive not to report workplace injuries and illnesses. Right? Too many illnesses, too many injuries, too many violations gets attention, gets fines, gets all sorts of problems, right? So you might be a construction company, warehouse company, whatever you are, you've got some incentive to keep those numbers low. Look like you're running a safe ship. So employers in the past have been known to kind of set up procedures and policies that disincentivize these workers from wanting to report. So, you know, uh, like uh, providing incentive programs, like if there's X number of days with no injury, everybody gets a bonus or something. Well, then you don't want to be the guy that reports your injury and fuck up everyone's bonus, right? So that's deterring a reasonable employee, provides this coercion to not report, okay? And, And... they found that, you know, through studies, too, that they don't help anyway. These, these incentive programs don't help. Another is one that warns employers that disciplining employees who do not immediately report workplace injuries could potentially violate the law. Right? So if you've got a penalty, that say, if you've got a, a policy that says you have to report your injury within one day or two days or you get a fine or whatever – Supposedly, that's supposed to be, you know, get them to report. But if it's gone too many days, now you've disincentivized them from reporting at all. And maybe there was a reason why they didn't want to report it at first, right? So, so this was one of these weird, arcane OSHA regulation kind of things, right? You cannot deter or discourage an employee from accurately reporting a workplace injury. So here's where it intersects with drugs. A lot of companies have policies that require if you get into an injury situation, you've got to immediately be drug tested, blanket drug testing for any injury. Even if you were not at fault, you could have been just standing there in the warehouse and somebody else who's fucked up runs over your foot with the, the, the uh, forklift and now you got a workplace injury, you have to be drug tested. And so what they're saying by this is that this blanket drug testing, if you can't show that the injury was related to the person being impaired at work, then the requirement that you have an immediate drug test could deter someone who may be a drug user, particularly a pot user, particularly in a place where medical use is legal or recreational use is legal, who may have used it off work and is no way impaired on the job, but still has those metabolites in their system, would be deterred from reporting the workplace injury. And so now HR professionals are freaking out about this. I've been on two or three websites now discussing this uh, issue about this new OSHA reporting uh, requirements. Now, to be clear, this doesn't do a damn thing about pre-employment drug testing. They can still ask for a, a cup of your piss and determine your employable future based on the metabolites in that. They can still do that. This is post-accident 
blanket drug testing. Not all drug testing. Could be post-accident if they come to you and they see that your eyes are all bloodshot, (laughs) you know, they're still going to be able to drug test for that. Here's the uh, quote from a website, Lexology.com says, OSHA stated that you need not specifically suspect drug use before testing, but there should be a reasonable possibility that drug use by the reporting employee was a contributing factor to the reported injury or illness. In addition, the agency said that employers should avoid any type of drug testing that is, that is designed in a way that may be perceived as punitive or embarrassing to the employee, as such a practice would likely deter injury reporting and violate the law. So uh, this, is, like I said, it's, it's the HR people are freaking out because for the past 30 years, since drug testing started in uh, 86, uh, the best practice has always been the, the standard operating procedure. Somebody gets an injury, drug test them, automatic. So they are a little concerned about this. Um, the HR company writing about this uh, says that it is not currently clear whether you can escape liability, you know, referring to an employer, if you try to drug test someone after an injury. Um, They say also that, that this requirement is problematic because trying to prove that someone was impaired who got in the injury, who failed the drug test, well, the drug test doesn't prove that they're impaired. The drug test can only legally establish the presence of drugs but cannot establish impairment. Well, no shit! (laughs) That's the point we've been making for 30 years. And now, oh, gee, gosh, we this requirement to prove people were impaired, our drug tests don't do that. Right! (laughs) That's what we've been telling you. And the other thing they're, they're concerned about is a lot of these employers, not enough of them, but a lot of these employers are in collectively bargained uh, contracts with unions. So what if the drug testing is in the union contract? And like, okay, so now the guy got injured and the union agreed that the guy should be drug tested and we, the employer, can't stop that drug testing without violating the union contract. Oh no, what are we going to do? So, yeah, the uh, human resources world is in a tizzy. It was supposed to go into effect for, uh, August uh, 1st with the drug testing provision starting on August 10th. But on July 8th, a bunch of employers filed a suit uh, for an injunction. Uh, the rule's effective date was moved from August 1st to November 1st. So we are right now trying to decide – uh, as a country, uh, in, in the courts right now, what's going to happen with this new May 2016 OSHA electronic reporting? And they say, what are we going to figure it out? We got to figure out, should there be triggers? Should there be new procedures to determine whether or not someone gets drug tested after an accident? I, for one, am excited at the bureaucratic maze they're having to uh to run through what a novel idea you might have to actually prove someone is, was impaired before you drug test them <laughs> how crazy only took us 30 years to get there all right folks that's all the time we got for hour one 
Stay tuned for hour two. Coming up next, we've got uh, some Toker Talk Radio for you. We've got the UK's look at whether or not marijuana ballot initiatives will affect the Clinton-Trump race. We've got cannabis commercials to tell you about it and a discussion of how you like me now. For everyone at Cannabis Radio, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers! This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down super. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls, live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is hour two, time for Toker Talk Radio. Glad to have you here. I'm Radical Russ, coming to you live and direct from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. It's a beautiful time here in potland. And this weekend, we will have one of the largest cannabis expos in the world, the Indo Expo, taking place at the Portland Expo Center. And Cannabis Radio will be there to cover it. I've been told we have a 20 by 30 lounge booth extravaganza planned for you and that I will be manning the desk and doing interviews all day. So going to be a good time. We might even be live streaming. I think they said we're going to be live streaming. We'll find out. Uh, You know, I'm always skeptical of how that goes with these expos with their lousy Wi-Fi, but we'll see. We'll see what they got. This, This should be fun. So we'll be there all weekend. And, um... For the second hour, a uh, bunch of just stray thoughts running around in my head, but I, I should get to some uh, get to some news first. Uh, Jackie in our chat room brought forth this uh, breaking news that uh, the former prime minister of Portugal, Antonio Guterres, leads the race 
to be the next Secretary General of the United Nations. Now, this is not news news. It came out uh, about two weeks ago. But uh, for us uh, drug reformers, this is fantastic news. If the former Prime Minister of Portugal becomes the head of the UN, that could mean a huge change in international drug reform. See, the country of Portugal in 2001 decriminalized all drugs. Personal possession of all drugs is decriminalized. And since they've done that, they've seen nothing but great results. Everything we drug reformers have always said would happen, happened. Addiction rates went down, overdose rates went down, crime went down, people using didn't change much, <laughs> right? So except for the hard uh, drug addicts, they they're, um, haven't changed much, but they're getting older. Their average age is older, so they're not replacing with new addicts. So to have that guy go back and, and head, up, uh, head up the UN would be fantastic. Uh, you know, I was there for the, the conference, the, the, the uh, general session, special session on drugs. And the, the, there is no leadership from the top on the UN on this. And so the UN is still held somewhat hostage by these regressive countries, the Pakistan, Indonesia, China, Saudi Arabia, these kind of places that still behead people for drug trafficking. So to have a guy at the top who knows that that reforming our drug laws works could be a huge step here in our international drug control. I, I, I'll keep you posted on this. I'll try to look up some more information on this, uh, this United Nations. Uh, it was just a straw poll, nothing official yet, but it did kind of sort out. There was, I guess, 12 different candidates for the new secretary general uh, position. They've narrowed it down to five out of the straw poll. One of the candidates remaining is female. The UN has never been led uh, by a woman, but um, I don't know. I'll, I'll forego having a woman run the UN. Let's get a woman president and a UN secretary general who knows the war on drugs is a failure. Let's do that. All right, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get some perspective, taking a look at the United States uh, presidential race from across the pond. Uh, great story out of the UK on our marijuana legalization and medical initiatives throughout the various states, some of them swing states like Colorado, Nevada, Missouri, Florida, and how that may or may not affect the U.S. election. Be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Mention the Sarah Jesus Show podcast. 
on CannabisRadio.com. And don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Day. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. Nine after the hour here at Cannabis Radio. Glad to have you here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I want to go back to the election. And again, if you're uh, just coming back to uh, to the show after a hiatus or something, and you're like, why are you talking so much about politics? Why won't you talk about weed? Talk more about weed. Well, this is a political show about weed, so we're going to cover politics, because politics affect weed. And also, I'm going to try to keep as much of the politics as I can in hour two. So if you're not into the politics, just listen to hour one. And I'm increasingly getting this attitude, folks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... I'm at the point now where I'm going to say what I feel and let the chips fall where they may. Anyway, let's go to this story coming out of The Guardian in the UK. And it's a story that says, with cannabis on the ballot, can Clinton and Trump cash in on the pot vote? And it's, uh, it's interesting because we've got marijuana on the ballot in seven states so far. Likely to be eight, could be nine or ten. <laughs> Let me run them down. So you got legalization in California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine. Now, nothing about marijuana being on the ballot in California is going to affect the Clinton Trump race at all. Hillary Clinton will win California. It doesn't matter. So we can forget about that. The Arizona race and the Nevada race. Marijuana could have an effect on this election. Both Nevada and Arizona are uncomfortably close to being uh, uh, swing states. Nevada is definitely a swing state. Could go either way. Arizona is more likely to go for Trump. But in the case of Nevada, this is going to be interesting. And then Massachusetts is going to go for Clinton. We don't even have to worry. Marijuana won't have an effect there. Uh, and then in Maine uh, is not likely to be a swing state either. But Maine's interesting uh, because Maine splits its electoral votes. It doesn't – it's not a winner-take-all state. Both Nebraska and Maine split their electoral votes by congressional districts. And in Maine, you got a situation where one district is more urban and is is 
likely to go to Clinton. But the other district's more rural and it's kind of a, a toss-up. So it's a swing district, right? There's another place marijuana may have an effect. And both it and Nevada, Maine and Nevada, it is Nevada, by the way, not Nevada. The uh, Maine and Nevada uh, races offer up an interesting, interesting situation because both are states that have one or two big cities and the rest of it's very rural, right? Las Vegas and Reno and the rest of it's desert, <laughs> Portland and Augusta and the rest of it's woods, right? So similar situation. And we know that the rural voters hate pot. That generally the way it works. In all the states that have legalized so far, you look at those counties, those rural counties generally vote against it. So how much turnout is, is pot going to generate in the rural counties bringing out those voters who would also perhaps vote for Donald Trump? And the other thing that's uh, – the other side of this, of course, is the medical initiatives, We've got medical on the ballot in Florida and Arkansas. Now, Arkansas is not a swing state. That's going to go to Trump. But Florida is definitely a swing state, and it's the biggest one. There are 29 electoral votes in Florida. Now, where this could help Hillary Clinton is the fact that we are talking about medical marijuana in Florida, not marijuana legalization. Medical marijuana in Florida needs over 60% to make the Constitution because of the way their requirements are there. Medical marijuana lost with 58%, so people know that it's close and could win this time. Seniors are increasingly educated, thanks to Bobby Platshorn and a bunch of other people down there, on the medical use of marijuana. Seniors vote their ass off. And seniors, especially women like Hillary Clinton, or at least will vote for Hillary Clinton. So I really think that the medical marijuana vote in Florida is going to turn out more voters for Clinton than it does for Trump. I think medical marijuana could be helping Hillary Clinton in Florida. Arkansas, again, not going to happen. And then there's the other states that might make the ballot. Well, Montana's on the ballot. Montana's got a but Montana's a toss-up either way because Montana's got an initiative that expands medical marijuana back to having dispensaries and another one that reinstates prohibition. So, you know, both sides are drawn to the ballot, right? Whether they're for or against. And Montana's another one of them states that's likely to be a red state but gets a little democratic sometimes. It can tilt that way at times. It'll, it'll elect a Democratic governor or a Democratic senator from time to time. So it's a, I can't tell you what marijuana is going to do to Montana. It's just there's two different issues going on there. Missouri is likely to make the ballot with its new approach, Missouri medical marijuana. Um, Missouri is a state that could be a swing state. Medical marijuana, I think, again, is going to uh, uh, be something that would probably help Hillary Clinton on the ballot there. And then there's a, a long shot at uh, North Dakota making the ballot, uh, but North Dakota is going to go to Trump. The, nothing's going to affect uh, uh, the vote there. But in the analysis that we find on The Guardian, uh, it's, it's quite interesting because they point out how a presidential election brings out younger voters. And 
younger voters generally support marijuana legalization. So with legalization being on the ballot, should even have a greater pull for the younger voters. And that's where it gets dicey is because among the younger voters, they're not Clinton supporters. The younger voters who are Democrats overwhelmingly favored Bernie Sanders. And many of them, the, the, the latest poll I saw was that 30% of former uh, Sanders voters, Sanders supporters, are going to vote for either Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. 30% of the Democrats who supported Bernie Sanders are going to vote third party rather than vote for Hillary Clinton. So, uh, and that number I'm sure is much greater the younger you look. So this is, this is a weird situation uh, in that that greater voter turnout among the young people is going to normally help the Democrat. In this case, may not. It may just help the third party. Now, there may be some silver lining in this, and that would be that young people are the least likely to vote in large numbers. Does marijuana bring them out? If it does, that could harm Hillary Clinton a little bit. They also bring up libertarian candidate Gary Johnson and how he's very popular. Like I said, the, the poll I saw that it was 30% between Johnson and Stein, it was 17% Johnson, 13% Stein. So very popular among those uh, disaffected Democratic voters. But how is, uh, is, is, is the legalization on the ballot, is that going to bring out more of that Gary Johnson support? And it's, it's something to consider here because in a state like Colorado with legalization on the ballot and Johnson has campaigned in Colorado before pretty prominently in 2012, at least for a third party candidate, I should say. And he's always been, you know, Johnson's spoken at hemp fests and cannabis cups and things like that. So the cannabis community knows Gary Johnson pretty well and knows that he's great on the marijuana issue. So I could see Gary Johnson having a pretty big uh, uh, effect on the Colorado vote. I could see him getting a lot of votes in Colorado. The question is, is are those votes votes that would have come from Trump or would have come from Clinton? And one of the things I'm thinking now is that these people that are never Hillary, and, and this is the point that I made you know, in some of my first articles was Hillary's not losing a vote for me because she never would have gotten my vote. But it does make you wonder what if it wasn't Hillary? What if it was, but not Bernie Sanders? What if it was some, you know, Martin O'Malley or somebody, would he be getting the vote? I think he would, right? So the folks here that are saying they're not going to vote for Hillary because she never had their vote are PR people who would have voted for any other Democratic candidate. So they are. They are losing the Democratic vote. And this is where, this is kind of another part of the epiphany. You know, and I hate to say epiphany because that is like at one moment I suddenly changed my mind. This was a process that took a long time. But one of them was a comment I read from someone on the net that went along the lines of your vote isn't about you 
and the candidate. The vote is about us and the party. Okay? And at this point, Hillary Clinton is just the person who is occupying the space for Democrat. And it's not whether or not she did something to you or you have to punish her or your conscience can't be held accountable for a rigged election. It's us. Can we survive four years of this Donald Trump presidency? Would we be better off if Hillary Clinton was president? And that's where I started to to change my mind because as much as I hate Hillary Clinton for a number of things she's done and a number of things like I've listed many times. I couldn't live with myself if I helped Donald Trump. I just couldn't. Ain't just me, by the way. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. (laughs) Of course, if I had my way, folks, the Constitution would have... A dozen-year term limit on any federal office. You can be a representative for six terms. You can be a senator for two terms. You can be a president for three terms. And that's it. After 12 years, you've got to get a new gig. Hell, I'd even do that with the Supreme Court. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Thousands of cannabis professionals convened this August in Portland, Oregon, to the city responsible for half a billion dollars in cannabis commerce. The Portland Expo Center hosts Indo Expo, August 6th and 7th. Indo Expo has seed to sale cover all weekend long with educational seminars and over 250 exhibitors, lights, nutrients, trimmers, extractors, greenhouses, cutting-edge grow gear, genetics, smoking accessories, and more. Free admission for buyers, store owners, and MJ industry professionals. Visit www.indoexpo.com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Adrian, I, I, I finished it. <laughs> okay, maybe you're high too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. 
This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour. I was just making my proposal there at the end of the rant. Uh, let me flesh that out a little bit. Um, I've, I've never liked that uh, our president has term limits. And originally, our president didn't have term limits. Originally, under our Constitution, you ran for president, people elected you, you're president. You could keep running. And FDR did. FDR won four elections. Franklin Roosevelt won four elections. Why? Because he was a damn good president. The people kept putting him back, said, hey, this guy's doing a kick-ass job. Let's put him back in. But the GOP didn't like that much. One guy, one party kept winning all these elections. So they put a cap on it and they helped pass, uh, what is it, the 20th Amendment that puts term limits on the president? 22nd? One of them. That uh, that basically requires that a president can't serve any more than two terms. Because that's what George Washington did. And originally, that was what was keeping presidents at two terms, by the way. There were other popular second term presidents they just didn't run for another term because washington never did washington served two terms and he was done and it so it always been kind of just a you know just the 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 standard kind of the habit just accepted uh accepted as the way it is and then fdr said screw it i'm running for a third term and won and ran for a fourth term and then died during his fourth term but still won the fourth uh election and they didn't like that. Well, we can't have one man have that much power for so long. We just can't. That's not right for America. So let's put term limits on him. He can do two terms. That's it. And part of what bothers me about that is there aren't term limits for the other offices. There are senators that have been there for 30 years. There are congressmen that have been there for 30 years. There are justices. They get lifetime appointments. So why is it okay for those people to maintain power for generations, but not a president, especially if, again, someone's doing a good job. Now, one of my uh, folks in the chat room brings up the point about money in politics and that, hell, if we take money out of politics, who cares about term limits? Because then the only way they get get elected is if the people elect them. Yeah, that's true. If we could get money out of politics, it would all be fair. <laughs> if I were seven foot tall, I could dunk. But you know, things aren't those aren't going to happen. I don't see money getting out of politics. Even if we are like getting Hillary Clinton elected, and we start pushing towards Citizens United, getting an amendment against that, you know, take out the big money, big unaccountable money in politics, there will still be money in politics because money exists in the world. Money exists in in our society, and it's how things get done. So I don't see money exiting politics. I can see a lower influence of it, a greater influence by the people, but it's not leaving politics. It's kind of like the death penalty for me, right? Like I'm ideologically in favor of the death penalty, but I'm practically opposed to the death penalty. Like ideologically, first of all, it's in the Constitution. The, the penalty of death is in there for treason, and it says life, liberty, and pro- or life, liberty, and property can't be taken without due process of law, well, that says then with due process of law, you can take those things and life is one of them. 
So ideologically, constitutionally, I'm on board with the death penalty. But practically, when you look at trying to exercise it, it's cruel and unusual punishment. Because we got too many people that have been railroaded, convicted of crimes they didn't commit, serving time on death row, who are later found to be totally innocent. So from a practical standpoint, I'm against it, right? Anyway, that's kind of a uh, you know diverting off topic. The topic being term limits, right? So ideologically, I would be against term limits because indeed the people would elect the the politicians, and so who cares how long they serve? If they're great, let them serve. But practically, I know that the people don't have all the power here. That congressmen and senators can be bought and owned because they constantly have to fundraise and so forth. And then I think about also how in the last uh, two years of a president's second term, how much they talk about how, you know, he lets his hair down and lets it all hang out and really goes for it because he doesn't have another election to have to deal with. Wouldn't it be nice if more congressmen and senators had their last term where they knew they weren't running for another election and could actually take a stand on things? Maybe that would be a good thing. So here's what here's my proposal, fleshing this out a little bit. Let's have a term limits amendment that says at any elected federal position or level of federal court, you can serve no longer than 12 years. So if you uh, you know got elected to Congress, two-year terms, you can serve six terms in Congress, but then you're done. No more terms in Congress for you. Does, now, it's not stopping you from running for Senate, not stopping you from running for president, not stopping you from getting appointed to a judgeship. But you can no longer be a congressman. Same for the Senate. Two six-year terms. You got your two six-year terms, you're done in the Senate. You can go run for Congress. You can try to run for president, become a judge. And for the presidency, three four-year terms. Three four-year terms in 12 years. You can go back to the House. You can go back to the Senate. You could become a justice. But you can't be president no more. And then for the justices, for the judges... District court judge, appeals court judge, Supreme Court judge, 12-year appointment. Now, one of the things that would be nice about the 12-year appointment to the court is it would end the guessing game of, well, this judge, they're so old. Are they going to retire? Are they not going to retire? They might die. We don't know. There'd be some certainty. You'd know every election how many justices were going to be replaced each term. Also, also with this, you're not eliminating someone from being a lifelong political servant, a lifelong, I should say civil servant, right? A lifelong elected official. You could just be like Bernie Sanders, where you're in the house for 12 years. (laughs) Was he in for six terms? I don't think he was in that long, but you're in the house for six terms. Then you go and become a senator for a couple terms. Then you run for president. Maybe you become president, run and get reelected for three terms. You've spent 36 years in public service. Hell, maybe after your third term as president, you get put on the Supreme Court. Now you've spent 48 years, a lifetime in civil service. 
something to think about. Something to think about. I I think about this a lot. I just, hey, if we're going to have, if term limits are a good idea for the president, then they're a good idea for everybody. If they're not a good idea for everybody, let's get rid of them for the president then. God, I wish I was voting on Obama this year. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, my goodness. Um, anyway, let me get to some uh, more marijuana stories here. There's a, a story in dopemagazine.com entitled The Cannabis Commercials Are Coming, and it talks about how we are still, we are still being rejected by Facebook, Google AdWords, Things like that. And of course, you know, television and radio and, and such in some places. And we're still facing the laws that we pass, these, these marijuana, uh, marijuana legalization initiatives that we pass, wherein we get regulations that say you can't advertise on this, you can't advertise on that, your advertisement has to have so little, it has to have this much of a warning label, etc., but even with all that, even with all these obstacles, the commercials are coming. And they point out a couple of uh, commercials now that are making its way to YouTube. Uh, one's a cannabis retailer out of Washington State. Um, another is a couple of other uh, growers that uh, are now starting to uh, make their way. There's a, a, a commercial for a vaporizer, a 15-second vaporizer commercial that's making its way. And this uh, this is something that's going to uh, be an interesting interesting uh, battle to fight. The advertisement for legal cannabis products. Because one of the things our opponents are going to harp on is Watsi. What about the children? And we're still laboring under this idea that we, we can't promote marijuana, right? And this is one, one place where we're in a disconnect with I think uh, the rest of society, right? Like those of us in marijuana, we're like, hey, it's legal. It's okay. And for most of the people, legalization is really more like, all right, all right. We'll stop locking up the potheads, right? So from our point of view, we feel like, oh my God, it's legal. So it's just like beer and you shouldn't be discriminating against us. My God, we should be able to be out in the park smoking weed and playing Frisbee and going to bars and smoking weed and having shops with weed and billboards with weed and commercials with weed. And the other side is like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. I thought this was just about not being cruel and locking up the potheads and stupid and wasting our money on cops. Where did this whole billboards in my city with big old buds on them? Where was that a part of this deal? This is a weak point for us, folks. It's something we got to watch out for. And I, I tell people this all the time. People laugh at Kevin Sabet. Telling you this guy is not stupid. He is not stupid. He knows where the weak points are. Now, I don't think he's got enough ammo to bust through those weak points, I think we've got a better, more moral position. But never underestimate your enemy. Never underestimate your opponent. He's smart by going after this big tobacco, big marijuana scare that he's trying to put forth because that's one of the weak points. It's that cultural weak point. The culture is what's been keeping marijuana illegal for the longest time. I've said forever that it's not that people hate pot. It's that people hate potheads. 
And that's what Kevin Sabet is banking on, is that the more legalization happens and the more there are pot shops and normalization and people just openly smoking and billboards all over the place, the more he can take a few of those photos, put them into a PowerPoint, take them to people in Omaha and scare the hell out of them. And the more that happens, the more, and this is something I've, been thinking as well is that as legalization unfolds on a state by state basis, it's going to unfold like it unfolded with medical marijuana. The first few states are going to be pretty cool. You can have pot shops and grow your own and it's going to be great. But as legalization keeps progressing, more and more of these states are going to be state run grows, a few limited grows, state run pot shops, Licenses you have to buy to be a legal pot smoker. Registries, perhaps. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be more restrictive as it passes in more and more of these states. Because they're going to freak out about, oh my God, we're letting loose this culture. Our streets will be overrun with potheads. So we'll keep our eye on the advertising game. And for... People on my side, I should say, be judicious with your ads. Try not to rub it in their faces. Make it look classy. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. 
Woodstock 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. 39 after the hour. And in this last segment, let me get a little personal. Not not personal against you. Personal about me. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, let me let me uh, let me figure out how I'm going to get into this. Uh, let me start at the beginning uh, of my radio career because I, I never it was never my intent to get into radio. <laughs> it really wasn't like so far away from anything I had ever imagined would be a part of my life being on the radio every day, talking about what I think. I won a contest. There was a national contest in 2006. I entered it, and what do you know, I won. I was as shocked as anyone. I had no political experience. I had no punditry experience. I had no radio experience. And I won a political talk radio contest nationwide. Hundreds of people entered. I won the damn thing. So that kind of caught me by surprise. Like, whoa, I, who knew? <laughs> so I had my political talk radio show on XM Satellite for a couple of years. It was during the last two years of the George W. Bush administration. So it was like T-ball because <laughs> I was on a liberal uh, talk radio uh, network. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so going after Bush every day for whatever stupid thing he was doing that day was, was just easy okay, from a political standpoint. And I built this fan base. These, these fans that really liked me because, you know, and, and of course this, where the radical rust thing came in because I was kind of off the cuff and not, you know, all buttoned down. I was more, you know, willing to tell it like it is and, you know, talk in plain language kind of guy. So I, I built up this following and I, you know, I'd get these regulars that would call in and truckers and people listening to satellite radio from all over the country and the world for that matter, who would listen to my show regularly. And I got to know some of them and kind of, you know, in the sense that, you know, I, I see your name coming up and we talk from time to time, right? Regular fans. So this was all the way through the end of the Bush administration. And then Obama won the election. And then Obama became president. And I had my, my show was on for about, mm, well, it was, it was canceled on my birthday in 2009. So I was in for the first month of Obama being president and his transition as he was president-elect. And throughout that time, as it became obvious, he wasn't going to prosecute the torturers and uh, he wasn't going to lobby for public option with, uh, you know, live webcams like he'd promised. And, you know, as things were beginning to look like, hey, wait a minute, we're going to get same of the, some of the same old stuff we got under George W. Bush, I started calling him out on that shit. And wow, did my fans turn on me. Oh my God. What are you, a Republican? Are you a shill? You turned coat, blah, blah, blah. But the complaints I was making about Obama were exactly the same complaints I'd made about Bush months before. But because now I was attacking their guy, oh, I was an asshole now. Oh, you go, hate, hate Russ, hate Russ. So I've been through this, right? I've experienced this from my fans. It's not a new thing for me. And then there was another fan. There was another incident that happened. Uh, when I was working for Normal, and I was doing Normal Show Live, the predecessor to this show, 
So I was doing a normal show live, and I built up a fan base there too. You know, a lot of normal folks listening and would show up in the chat room all the time. We had webcams too back in the day, and I was doing video shows. So this people would show up on the webcams regularly, get to know them, see their handle, chat with them time to time, right? Well, one of them, one of them was a guy who's kind of, oh, what do you call it? I call it woo-woo. I call it woo-woo. You know, the new agey, crystals, reiki, energy type people, right? Woo-woo. He was a little woo-woo. And one time in the chat room, he was bringing something up about astrology. I don't even remember the context, but it, I knew it had, it was something about astrology. And I went off on a rant on the show talking about what bullshit astrology is. It's bullshit. Astrology. By the way, if you're listening and you think astrology means something, sorry to break it to you. Astrology is bullshit. <laughs> it just is. First of all, the astrological signs, when they were first determined thousands of years ago, and the people, you know, this is this constellation controls the people born at this time, right? When that was all figured out, those times don't match those constellations anymore after thousands of years and calendar shifts. I'm not really an Aquarius. I'm really a Capricorn or some shit, right? And second of all, the idea that the placement of stars thousands and millions of light years away in a certain pattern has an effect in any way whatsoever on the people that are born at that time is ludicrous on its face. So anyway, I went off on this rant about astrology being bullshit this guy was so pissed off at me that he disappeared. I never saw him again. Hated me from that point on. Never saw him again. So I bring all this up because, as you know, I've been going through these Facebook battles because I was the Bernie or Bust guy, and I wrote all these articles that were so popular about how Hillary Clinton's an evil beast, and now I've changed my mind. And one of our fans, uh, John Thomas who shows up almost daily in the chat room, isn't there today. And I think it probably has to do with some of the discussions we've had on Facebook back and forth. And part of it was number one. Okay, so one thing that bothered me is in referring to this change of mind that I've had, he says, well, rest number one would have said this, and then rest number two now says this. As if I'm not the same guy. And the other thing that bothered me is when I called Gary Johnson goofball and Jill Stein hippie chick, he went on a big rant upset at me for calling them names and such. And this is what bothers me about it, because it's the same thing I experienced in those first few years on XM Satellite. You seem to like my style just fine when I'm calling names on Kevin Sabet, Gil Kurlikowski, Anybody like that, name-calling didn't seem to be an issue in my rhetoric back then. And you seem to respect that I am the guy who looks shit up and is a dedicated researcher and digs really deep into the facts and makes long, complex, analytical decisions and uses logic to disarm bullshit. That's all great when I'm tearing down Project Sam. That's all great when I'm tearing down drug prohibition. 
But when I apply the same tools and the same rhetoric to the political situation and come up with a decision or an analysis you disagree with, now you think I'm naive, that I'm bought off, that I'm a shill, that I've, I've somehow been invaded by the pod people? You seem to like my style just fine when you agree with me. So if you want to abandon the show, that's fine. You want to bail, that's fine. That's, that's cool. I, look, folks, I'm sitting here in a room by myself every day talking into a microphone. I don't know how many of y'all are out there. I really don't. I have no idea. I hope show after show after show there's more of you. But it's not going to change what I think, how I talk, the way I feel, the points I make, the policies I support, the decisions I come to. What I, would, what I had been hoping, because I knew if I knew making this switch would suck, I knew it. Oh, man, I knew it. And, and some people I really respect and admire uh, are hating on me now. Tom Angel at Marijuana Majority, Mark Emery at Can- Cannabis Culture, uh, uh, Keith Saunders with uh, uh, the Massachusetts, uh, uh, you know, with uh, MassCan. I mean, a bunch of folks. Oh, you've given in. You've given up. You're off the other side. Uh, how could you ever support? You made all these great excuses, all these great arguments as to why she's evil. And now you've switched and blah. Yeah, because they got new information. I got new information, came to new realizations. One of the new realizations was I was dismissing, I was diminishing, I was minimizing what Donald Trump is. And, you know, online, as I've been having this debate, when I make this point, people are like, oh, you're, you're just giving into fear. You're giving into fear and projection, fear and projection. You don't know what will happen in the future. You don't know. Oh, like, come on, folks. Really? You think there's a scenario that plays out where Donald Trump gets elected and he turns out to be great? He turns out to be a fantastic president? You, you can actually imagine that. No, sorry, I, I don't. This is so much of that false equivalence. This Democrats and Republicans are just the same bullshit. When they're not, the Democratic platform supports the rescheduling of marijuana out of Schedule 1 as part of a path to future legalization. That's what the Democratic Party stands for. The Republican Party voted down a medical marijuana plank for their platform. They can't even get majority support in their political structure for medical marijuana. And they are declaring pornography a public health menace. <laughs> we, got, we got veterans with PTSD that can't smoke weed. We got an opioid crisis that would be alleviated through marijuana legalization. We got football players that are going mad and dying of CTE that could be helped by cannabis. But those aren't the public health problems. It's people masturbating to pictures on the internet. (laughs) That's the problem we got to deal with. They're not the same. And that's where this vote comes down to. 
Yes, it's a vote between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, but it's a vote between whether Democrats or Republicans lead the country. Now, I know. I know there's so many ways in which they're the same. Oh, I agree. I wrote those pieces, remember? I agree. Oh, you're so right. It's not fair, just, right. It's tilted for the 1%. Both parties are, are beholden to the military-industrial complex. Both of them are, are favorable to big oil. Both of them are extra-constitutional in their want for executive authority, their lack of transparency in government. I, I can go on. I can keep making this argument. I can keep telling you how both of the parties are the same. It does not change the radical ways in which they are different. And that was another part of what got me over on this is that I made my big list of Hillary Clinton's flaws. It got up to 35 things I don't like about Hillary Clinton. 35 things I could, they could think of. And then I started thinking, you know, I ought to make a comparable list for Donald Trump. And the comparable list for Trump is as long as the Hillary list plus has a whole bunch of things in it that Hillary is far better on. This is a decision that involves the totality of the circumstances. Too many voters out there want to cherry pick. They want to say, ah, up, up, see, she voted for the Iraq war, can't, can't support her. Well, as someone in my chat room put, pointed out, you know, she was the senator from New York at the time when the overwhelming majority of her constituents wanted to go to war. What was she supposed to do? Now, the answer is vote to do the right thing and destroy your political career. And yeah, she could have done that. But she didn't. And it's 14 years later. The other thing that, that, that throws me on this, I love this one because this is one that I used. I used this in my 35-point list, in the 25-point the list that got posted on Huffington Post as well, was how she was against gay marriage in 2004 on the floor of the Senate. But then she was for it in 2013. So she's just a political opportunist. Okay, well, for one... Do you want her to stay being against gay marriage? Right? Wouldn't you want someone who is against gay marriage to be for it now? Or do you want them to stay where they were? That's where my logic started falling apart. I started analyzing my own arguments and realizing, wait a minute, Russ, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Someone in the comments of, of that Huffington Post one uh, brought that one up to me, and I couldn't disagree with them. I tried to defend against it and went, wait, you know what? He's kind of right. What, do I want her to be anti-gay? Do I want her to stay being against gay marriage? No, I want her to change her position. And then it started to open up as I started hearing from more gay activists that are friends of mine. Remember, I used to write for a gay and lesbian blog uh, who kept pointing out that, yeah, she did that in the Senate, but she also did this and this and this other thing and this other thing and this other thing that were all very pro-gay, and now she's pro-gay. If Hillary Clinton really is the poll-watching opportunist she's portrayed to be, then all we have to do to get her to do the right thing is make the right thing popular, right? There's no extra profit in being pro-gay marriage. It's not like the gay, it's not like big gay wrote her a $225,000 check to give a speech or something. 
<laughs> right? There's no profit to be made. There's nobody to buy her off to now be pro-gay. Could it be that she's always been pro-gay and the 2004 thing she said was the opportunism instead of the switch to being pro-gay? And again, bottom line, if my gay and lesbian friends are cool with her, and they overwhelmingly are, why am I upset about it? Similar thing about her super predators comments. This is, you know, fishing all the way back to the 90s, Clinton crime bill, which she championed and, you know, had the famous, you know, super predators need to be brought to heel remark, which is where she was referring to gangs, violent gang members, not all black people. But I was willing to jump on that, too. I jumped right on that. See, see, how could she be good for black people when she said this terrible thing and. The crime bill was terrible, blah, blah, blah. Well, understand. The Clintons didn't pass the crime bill with the express intent of creating mass incarceration and harming black people. It's not like Nixon starting the war on drugs with the stated intent of going after the black people. No. They went after the crime bill in 1994 because if you don't recall, crime was rampant in the early 90s. Throughout the late 80s and the early 90s, the policies of Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush or George H. W. Bush helped exacerbate crime in this country. We let out all the we ended all the federal mental hospitals and then gave them nowhere else to go. So all the, the, the crazy folks ended up being criminals and we had to bust them. We had the uh, crack cocaine epidemic, which, of course, the CIA bringing in cocaine to help fund the Contras that Reagan wanted to fund with secret off-the-books black money. So all of those things helped crime to really grow to quite substantial proportions. The Clinton crime bill was a reaction to that. And again, if my black friends are cool with her, which they overwhelmingly are, which the Democratic primary voters overwhelmingly were, why am I upset about it? Some of these people think that just because I wrote an argument, I'm going to stick with that argument forever. And I'm never going to say that. New data might come out to convince me to be against marijuana legalization. It'd have to be some really compelling data. (laughs) But... But it could happen. I am not ironclad in anything, folks. Hey, that's all the time we got. Thanks for joining us. Stoner Jesus is up next. Stay tuned live. For everyone here at Cannabis Radio, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it.